Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're continuing our expectations series today, and this is uh, one of the last ones we've taped. I believe we've still got one to go, uh, but uh, it is 610, uh, and we're timestamping this because this won't be out until the end of June, and things can change, of course. Injury news can come in and other things, but uh, we'll be talking about Marlon Humphrey and Tyler Beatty and expectations. Uh, joining me today is Pete Gilbert from WBAL. Pete, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again, Ken. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend, and glad you could uh, take the time for something like this. Uh, remind folks about a little bit about what the show is about. We're taking two disparate players. One is on either side of the ball, and that's usually the case, although we have allowed some two defenders and two offensive players shows. But the idea is that we're not trying to get competing players, and we're trying to give as many analysts as possible a chance to chime in on how they think these players uh, fit into the Ravens' positional group uh, standings, and, and in particular, uh, starting with Marlon Humphrey, a guy who was obviously at the top of the cornerback room, uh, but had a season-ending injury in Week 13 last year, uh, was having, honestly, a, not a very good season as a pro. There were a lot of, I think, competing factors that that, that made that such, or maybe not competing factors, uh, uh, perfect storm factors, we might call them, um, uh, but allowed five touchdowns and one interception last year. Yeah, and with Marlon, what... <laughs> Last year it was really, I think, disappointing because he had just gotten the $99 million, $99.5 million contract, right? So he's mm-hmm. top-of-the-market guy, and he'd been a first-rounder, and he had played so brilliantly to earn that. But 
when the injuries started to happen, and you know, obviously with Marcus Peters going down in training camp, when the weight went on his shoulders, I felt like he tried to do too much. He tried to be everywhere at once. Uh, the result of which was he was not in the right place so many different times. You watch the busted coverages that were just routine throughout the first, really, uh, in the first eight to ten weeks of the season, even though they were finding ways to, to win some of these, so many of these games. I mean, they're, every week you're, you're going back and looking like, what? In the, it wasn't just, you know, a guy, yeah, you're going to get beat sometimes. I and mean, this was flat-out miscommunication or flat-out, I'm going to go try and make a play that wasn't there to be made. And he ultimately paid a price for it. And that was, you know, I, 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 I know it was the weight of, you know, the expectation to come along with it combined with the fact that he was missing some of the guys with him. And that led to a year that you said it wasn't, it wasn't only not that great by his standards. It wasn't very good really for a starting cornerback standards. And yeah. the, the things that had, that had set him apart to earn that big contract just weren't there. The playmaking, the forcing fumbles, mm-hmm. the scoring touchdowns, uh, the wrapping up and bringing guys to the ground with, I mean, ferocity. You know, he's a corner, he's an outside guy, but he plays a physical brand of football. Yeah. He wasn't doing that. So it was all combined, and there was a lot of then, I think you also saw body language that was bad. He wasn't being the leader that they needed him to be. So all of that coming together, and again, it was a bad situation, but you'd hope the guy that you kind of picked to hold up and you know be – well, you're going to help right that bad situation. He didn't seem able to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't want to excuse the season he had and certainly things like tackling and wrapping up, which had always been strengths. And, and uh, you mentioned his physical nature in terms of knocking the football. Was he had eight forced fumbles You know, the year before. It was one of the highest totals of all time by a defensive back. One of the reasons we didn't see that is that he was pulled off the boundary to play a lot of slot corner. Now, he didn't play exclusively there, but he played about a third of his snaps at slot corner last year. And uh, I, I, I'm one of the strong believers that Humphrey is going to be much better with his style on the outside, that his big body forces people to the corner, uh, forces people to the boundary better, takes away space better. Uh, he has a better chance to react with those baseball bat-like arms when he has a chance to see the ball come a little bit further distance to the outside, and he has a chance then to, to impact that receiver. Uh, in the slot, different skill set. I mean, you know, he's, he's got to react to that whip route uh, more carefully, and it's just a, less chance for his physicality to come into play. But, yeah, I agree that, right, you, you, if he has more time to, to prepare to make a play, he, he has the physical tools to no doubt make that. But I also thought he wasn't effective, certainly an effective inside cover guy. I, I you know, really – uh, outside of healthy Tavon Young, he's been their best slot corner in, yep. in, a, in a long time. So, I mean, that's not why you give him the big contract because there there are, you know, certainly more guys skill-wise, you know, they're just physical tool-wise can can work in, in, in where there's more traffic um, and not be out on the island. But, I mean, I – I still think that particularly now that when, when you add in Kyle Fuller, you get Marcus Peters back, I think we're going to see him moved in, a, in some different spots. Uh, and he'll be inside some. Um, size-wise, too, it, it's going to be really interesting because you have all these safeties now, that, and some of which are hybrid safety, you know, kind of cover guy. You, oh, they're almost all interchangeable. And I almost feel like, are we going to see him, you know, almost play like a box guy at a couple of times, you know, like just to fool people? I mean, I think there are some possibilities to do 
a lot of different things with Marlon. But I think the biggest thing going for him going forward is that assuming health, which and yeah, I guess we can try and do that at this point. It can't be as bad as last year because that was mm-hmm. a historically bad uh, and historically bad injury season. Um, if he's got his guys, we're going to see a much better Marlon Humphrey. And also, when you get humbled like that. Um, and you're a great athlete and a great player and a great competitor, you're going to come back from it. And, and he is all of those things. So I expect that combined with getting the guys back around him and maybe not having to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders, we're going to see the guy that earned that $99.5 million contract. Yeah, I, I agree there. The, uh, the, 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 the forces are strong to make him uh, want to come back personally. The, the, the evidence is there. And, you know, just to get back to leading that, that cornerback room again, I mean, he's got to answer for some of those things. And uh, it was a bad year. Uh, you know, the, 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 you mentioned one important thing, I think, is that having safeties on the back end that will allow him to gamble. Uh, is really important. So he's got to have the trust in those guys he's playing with. And Marcus Williams, I think, and he will, will, will be very natural. I think Kyle Hamilton, he can be very natural. Uh, people, Hamilton and Williams, both very instinctual, true free safeties, which the Ravens haven't had in several years. Uh, you really have to go back to Earl Thomas, where they had a, a last, you know, a, a true free safety who worked a lot, a lot off his reads, Weddle before that. Um, you know, a lot of Cornerback years, uh, even in Marlon Humphrey's career, have been played uh, with having uh, some help there. Certainly, the, the, with you know, one year with Weddle, he played, and one year with uh, Thomas. Um, but but even when he hasn't, if he's if he has other healthy healthy safeties back there, that's been a a positive. He's he, he needs to have another guy that he can depend on. If, if Peters takes more gambles, but Humphrey takes gambles off a lot of times when he goes for the football after the play too, not just on the uh, on the uh, uh, undercut. Yeah, the, there are no doubt. And when the year, you know, when in twenty twenty one when he forces or twenty twenty when he forces eight fumbles, mm-hmm. and he's not necessarily going to ta- he's not tackling the player first. He wants to try and see if he can force it out. And those look almost like in anything in sports when you get on a roll, you get on a heater. Mm-hmm. It keeps coming, and he recognized that that year and saw it and then continued to do that. But when you're swinging and missing and then the guy breaks free and is gone, you realize – then you start to maybe – you don't go f- through that effort and that um, – with the full force that you maybe – and confidence mm-hmm. that you had before, and so then it spirals the other way. Yeah. And that that's what we started to see here, and that's – I mean, Jamar Chase, you know, he – he tried to tackle the ball there with Jamar and paid an awful, awful price for it. Yeah, that, that looked back in, tw- in 2021. If you go back to 2020 in the game against the Steelers, it was against Juju that he gave up a touchdown early in the game trying to punch the ball out and missed it. It was, it was a, by the way, it was a low gamble play because it was around the 10-yard line or 5-yard line that that happened. So, right. they, you know, there's an increased chance they're going to score anyway. But then in overtime, punched the ball out and actually – after everybody else ran by the ball, he, he had a chance to, Some, to jump. Somehow up. he recovered it. I was, it was, it's one of the more, I mean, a play that was for a Ravens fan is going to stick in your head for a long, long time. That one won't, that one won't leave. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's talk about goals for 2022 for Marlon Humphrey. I'll let you start. Eddie will kind of alternate as we move. So, I mean, the goals that I see, uh, obviously getting back to the kinds of play, playmaking thing. What, not, let me say that again. For number one, don't allow the big play mm-hmm. routinely, as was allowed uh, last year. And whether that was because, of, again, is it a broken coverage and a miscommunication, a gamble that didn't work, or just a poor tackle? Those things have to be solidified, number one. Number two, then, after you get that wrapped up, 
get back to then forcing the turnover and, you know, punching the ball out, getting a pick. He only has nine career interceptions. Um, it, it would nice to, you know, you would, I mean, part of that is maybe they haven't thrown all that much at him when you're a really good corner. They don't tend to get as many balls that you can intercept. But, get back into being the playmaker. And I, I think because of the players he'll have around him, the opportunities for turnovers will be greater and got to take advantage of those. So those two things, make, get your fundamentals back and then go be with that confidence, then build from that, go make the plays. You know, one of the interesting things you just said is is uh, the turnover thing is a lot of it is how he's put in man coverage. And island corners and man coverage typically get a few less interceptions than guys like Peters who like to play the back end of zone coverages. And cover three – Uh, For Peters, he's looking at the quarterback, reads the quarterback, moves on the ball, takes some gambles. There's all kinds of good interception opportunity that comes with that. Well, this is a great – this this team is set up to be a cover three team like no other Ravens team I've ever seen. They can replace both inside linebackers, which are the primary weakness to their cover three unit to start with, is that is that if those guys can't cover in the middle, it doesn't matter what kind of zone defense you're playing behind them. You, you can't really get it done. But if you have Jefferson and Clark on the field, or maybe it's Stone and Jefferson, whoever it might, or Stone and Clark, rather, um, it, it'd be uh, you know a, a pairing that can give you solid underneath zone coverage. Uh, is a good chance that Kyle Hamilton, under those circumstances, will come up. Kyle Hamilton is an enormous human being. back. Yes, and and he presents he he, he puts a a cloud over that side of the field as a quarterback in terms of, of, you know, looking there and trying to get it past this, this, this big man who, if he gets his hands on the ball, there's, there's guys behind him who have very sure hands this year in, in Williams, um, and, you know, and Humphrey and Peters. And, and I think that just provides all sorts of uh, turnover excitement for me. Yeah. And I mentioned just briefly on Kyle, watching him at minicamp, he moves so effortlessly. He, the, the the stop start the the strides are so long you don't realize maybe how fast he's going because he only needed four steps to get to cover yeah. so much ground and I think and you can see why as a quarterback you think oh he's not in position oops he's in position no he really is. and he he didn't look like a rookie and he and he didn't look like a safety in terms of just his physical the the the, the space that he occupies. But wow, he moves like one. He moves like a great one, and that's that's really exciting. You can see why they were so excited he was available there. Yeah, plays his reads exceptionally well. Not a not a uh, ex- exceptionally fast uh, straight line athlete. I think he's probably faster than his four seventy time at the combine. But um, a guy who definitely plays his reads better. The, the, the linebacker who's comparable is Josh Bynes, just much faster than his uh, play speed than his than his forty time. So uh, I, I think people are going to love Kyle Hamilton right away. I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see. Just for the first three weeks of play, that we'll see big upticks in jersey sales and whatnot for 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 him because he's obviously a very a very likable player. I'm going to come back with one more thing and say uh, that I hope Humphrey plays returns to play more on the outside, and that's more a goal for the rest of the unit. Uh, they have slot corners uh, that are competing for a job. Ardarius Washington is there, and they have uh, Demarion Williams, and they have potentially even Brandon Stevens. So I think he may land at outside corner as one of the backups there. Um, but they have at least three guys who, who might be in, in the picture there. I hope one of them takes the job in no uncertain terms so that Humphrey can play on that outside. Uh, yeah, Demarion, uh, who, who likes to go by Pepe, um, he would be the guy, I think, that has 
the greatest potential to do that. One for his versatility. I mean, he played all over the field. I think he told me he played six different positions in college. Uh, now, despite not being a physically impressive by NFL standards uh, young man, but he is fearless and he is very twitchy. And so he can go all different, man. He can play outside, inside, up, back. You, he played both safeties. He just, he, he'll do it all. And I think he has, he has absolutely the right approach and attitude to be a guy like, sure, let me get in there. I, I'll be, I'm going to go mix it up inside. I won't be afraid of that. And I have the tools to do so as well. And I think that if you say the goal for, you know, to see Marlon stay on the outside, if he does, that's a very good sign that things are going well for the mm-hmm. defense. That's what it, I mean. You know, aside from allowing him to excel at where he is at his best, it means that he didn't, someone else wasn't hurt. It means that someone else, you know, didn't fail at that job. So you had to move him over to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe Kyle Fuller has to be, you know, your outside guy along with, um, along with Peters because you didn't have another choice. So if Marlon's playing outside, that's a really good sign for the Ravens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Ravens moved Marshall Yonda to right tackle one year. And that was it was really great that Marshall Yonda could fill in at right tackle. And he had a, a close to a Pro Bowl year at, at right tackle when he was there. But uh, it still wasn't good for, the, for, for either Yonda or the Ravens that they had to make that move. Yeah, Joe but, Flacco would agree with that. It wasn't yeah. good for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but Humphrey, Humphrey's versatility still will, will, will benefit the Ravens if they if they are forced to draw upon. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, if you have to have it, it, obviously it is nice that he has that, but you definitely you 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 want to do it in the luxury situation where you want you're doing it because you're trying to fool someone or you're trying a different coverage or drawing something creative, not because, oh, that guy was hurt or it was ineffective. And that's where, you know, that's where you want to see what that, I hope we get to see what Mike McDonald can do with a healthy squad, you know, really healthy group and see what kind of Differences in creativity. I mean, obviously, Wink was very creative, but oftentimes it just the that it felt desperately so, and you know it just left them vulnerable. His aggressiveness left them vulnerable at times. And look, I, I get it after after what fourth and twelve against Cincinnati, and you know dropping eight in coverage. You know, you're you're gonna if you're following that up, you're gonna be you're gonna be a little more aggressive. Right. Um, when he took over for Dean P. So that that it's not it's not the knock on him. But I want to see the creativity without the, maybe some of the recklessness that we saw uh, defensively with Mike McDonald, as opposed to what we saw with Wink Martindale. OK. All right. I'm, I'm a very pro Wink guy, but we're going to keep this on the on the track with Humphrey and, and Beatty a little bit. I think I mentioned earlier the ability to take more gambles. I want to see with quality safety play. Uh, and I think we, we discussed that enough early. Any other goals you have? Because I think that pretty much does it for me. Yeah, no, I, I, just to be the guy, you know, begin to, to, to kind of, I want for him to, to be able to live up to what I know he feels he is and what the team feels he is and what the fans feel that he is. And that, and honestly, he's come, unfortunately, the injury that he's coming back from is not one that's going to prevent him from doing that at all. Mm-hmm. This isn't a knee injury. It's not a lower body injury. You know, I mean, it, it was, you know, it's a peck. You know, I mean, that is something that, I'm sure it was awful, but it's not going to prevent him from, from being from reaching the potential. And so that's a really good sign for him coming back as well. It's not like you worry about Gus or JK with their knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A very, a very big deal there. Well, let's move on to what's a good and a great year here. I, I'll go ahead and start it off and I'll, I'll ask you to adjust and critique and whatnot. Uh, for, as a good year, I'd say uh, he returns to primarily outside cornerback and plays well. 
his rate stats improved pretty much across the board. Tackling, passer rating against was 98.4 last year, by far the highest of his career. Uh, that needs to come back down. And by the way, in terms of rate stats, it's often unreasonable to, to ask that of a player who's a little older. Marlon Humphrey is not yet 26 years old. You know, he'll be 26 when the season starts. That's what's so strange about this. Uh, he contributes to an increased turnover rate for the defense as a whole. That, to me, is very important and very central. So it doesn't really matter to me how he does it, whether he's part of second man of the ball games, whether he's punching the ball loose, whether he's getting more interceptions himself, even if he's tipping the ball on some plays and the safeties making plays in bracket coverage uh, with him. All are fine ways for him to help increase that turnover total. Yeah, a good year is is undoubtedly getting back to being a you know, turnover machine is not the right We're just Just, again, just – Make sure that you are putting some fear into into the defenses again. I mean, the the Ravens' defense it became it felt toothless. I mean, when you when you see some of the numbers that that you know that, that Joe Burrow would put up on them, and again they're missing guys, and I get it. But this the franchise that's a proud defensive group, and they took a beating. I mean, just to, just to their image, to their to their pride, it was it was rough. And so get back, you know, a good year is to return to the swagger um, that, that we've come to know and see, see Adam Marlin. And, you know, a good year is to stay healthy. I would put that with all of these players. And then I just think with every conversation you have about a, about a player and about the team, it almost feels like it has to begin with health, given what we saw in 2021. Yeah, they, I, that's true. And, and so I kind of left it out on, on most of these. But you're absolutely right that I, the players in particular had injuries. I, I felt like I couldn't not mention it. But uh, but it's it's so it's almost become upsetting to me how much uh, the results of an NFL football season are dependent on injuries. It's it's uh, it's it's like you, all the best laid plans in the offseason. And, you know, you're, you're, you're playing under constraints that are very competitive with the cap and with the draft capital and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you, you've got your roster and you're all excited about it as a fan. And game one, Terrell Suggs is hurt or Joe Flacco is hurt. As, as Wink uh, pointed out now with the Giants, when he said, you know, last year I had cornerbacks from DoorDash, you know, whew, that's <laughs> you, you, not lying. That was that was rough. Tough, tough group, tough situation. <laughs> Let's move on with a great year. I'd say the secondary is able to play much of the season without significant positional shifts. Uh, so Humphrey excels uh, with a top shelf season on the outside, as I said in the first part. But also he's part of a defense that plays extremely well with the lead and generates lots of turnovers in that situation. And, and in particular, um, the Ravens built back the front have an amazing opportunity this year. If the offense can get, get back to in the mid to high twos in terms of points per drive, which would be about 88% of where they were in 2019. So I'm trying to be reasonable about this. That's a historic offense. You know, if they could be between 2019 and 20, that would be reasonable. They're going to have an opportunity to lean on opponents in the second half, play seven DB coverages, six DB coverages a lot. And I think, you know, when you do that, you say basically, I dare you to think you have enough time to run the ball against us. You're going to have to pass. We know it. Go ahead and do your worst with the run if you want to try. Oh, no doubt. I mean, this team, it's, it's all – its the, the strength clearly of the defense is the secondary. That's, that's inarguable. And to take best advantage of it, you have a lead. So, it had, yeah, right, if, if they can get back to being the, the, the offense that gets a lead and then goes on a 10-minute drive – 
and then puts that's when the panic starts to come and the gambles start to come from the opposing offenses. And that's where Marlon Humphrey can be at his best. And, you know, a, a great season is, again, some numbers like I'm not saying you got to have eight forced fumbles because that's preposterous, but four or five because of the way he plays. Yes, you should be able to expect that from him. You should be able to expect three or four interceptions to go along with that. And. And then, again, just for him to provide the leadership to be in that room um, and be, be the guy that delivers as the, with the speech and then backs it up on the field. All right. All right. That's great. What would be your over-under for this year of total turnovers contributed to by Marlon Humphrey? And I'm going to define that as passes defense that get picked off by someone, interceptions of his own, uh, forced fumbles, and fumble recoveries. Nine and a half. Ooh, that's that's a big number. Okay, that's I was going to say number six and a half. Yeah, I'm but, gonna, but anyway, I'll, I, I'll I'll take your nine and a half. Let's see. That? I you know what. I'm going to write that one down. Let's see how we'll, we'll visit that one in about seven eight months, um, and see that would that would be that would be fun. Um, I but I think when you consider all the manners in which you like you laid out there, I'm like mm-hmm. again I, because I think this defense is going to be very good. Mm-hmm. I real I I don't doubt that. I that number it would surprise me if he didn't reach that. Because okay. I think they're going to do that. Well, let's. Uh, I will. I will buy you a beer without any need for you to do the the uh, the opposite for me. I'm trying to see how many he had in this. So he's had. Let's see, 15. I don't have the other number. He has had 24 total such events, not including tips that went for somebody else's interceptions in his career. So been good, and this is a great defense. So let's get excited about that. Let's move on. Talk about Tyler Beatty. Uh, drafted number 198 from Missouri, the Ravens' last pick in the sixth round. 5'8", 197, a 445 40, because everybody wants to know that for a running back. Uh, the most important thing that I see in Tyler Beatty is a guy who brings that outside speed back to the Ravens, and there's other things that I like about him, um, that threatens the outside of the field and makes their running attack um, threaten the entire field horizontally the way it did in 19 and 20 when it was very good. When I look at Beatty, I essentially see Justice Hill, but a better pass catcher. Um, he's they're, they're a similar size and stature. Justice Hill was the fastest running back in the draft uh, when the Ravens took him. And, you know, and you go back to Justin, his rookie year, that game in Pittsburgh where he started when it didn't matter and they were sad, all the guys, how hard he ran, how tough he was. Uh, showing some playmaking ability. I see Beatty from that. Now, Hill has not followed it up. He didn't take care of the ball very well, and he's, and he's dealt with injuries. And that's un- it's hard to project a lot out of a guy of Beatty's size in the NFL. Just it, Man, those backs just don't – I mean, they, you, how do you protect yourself? How do you stay on the field um, at that size? I don't know. But I also don't, don't know how he managed to do in the SEC. What did see? What did he run for last year? 19 total 1900 scrimmage yards 1934 and 18 touchdowns in the sec okay that's so he he managed to do it for sure um and that was the only year where he was the feature back uh he, he did that at missouri so there's the capability is for to be a not just a third down back he showed that at, a, at a, certainly at a high level the sec um but that's not what the Ra- the ravens don't have him here looking for anything like that they, they, they see the, the potential in the passing game because if, as they've, they've not invested 
all that much, obviously, in the outside. It's all it's all draft picks. There, there's no free agents and wide receivers right now. It's just you got your young guys are going to roll with them. You've got four tight ends that I don't see any way, barring injury, they're not all four on the roster. Plus right. Pat Ricard. So this is you know if you're going to if you're going to evolve in the pass game, it's going to have to come out of the backfield. Dobbins certainly has the potential to be a good pass catcher. Uh, it's been a little we haven't we just we just don't know yet um, what what that might be. But Tyler Beatty repeatedly show the ability to catch the ball consistently understands routes and so there's there's i think that's where he can maybe separate himself yeah he, he definitely has more horizontal threat than just his run presence also as a as a passing game presence he's that and i don't think that jackson really likes or even wants or the ravens want or like jackson having a dump down target as a running back, the way Joe Flacco had Ray Rice, that, you know, there was always a check, check Rice, you know, you, 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 you'd have it. Uh, Beatty, uh, sorry, Jackson is his own check down. So he wants to leave the pocket and run for a big play and get the field opened up in front of him, you know, make, make guys miss at, the, at that point. Uh, he doesn't really need a check down runner in the same way, but Beatty can spread that field horizontally, take players out of there. And he's remarkably elusive. So, if you put one guy out and he's a linebacker on Beatty, you do so at your own peril because he's he has broken a lot of plays in college. His yards per, per reception, 9.1, exceptional for a running back, 11 touchdowns, which is 8.7% of his receptions. So that's really remarkable. I mean, there was, there was another back in the draft with like 76 receptions and one for a touchdown. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I look at Beatty and, and, uh, and that's really uh, remarkable. Big differentiator. Um, when you talk about him in the open field, uh, I think you really got to compare him to players like Darren Sproles. Uh, Ray Rice, probably to a lesser degree, uh, Alvin Kamara as being a, you know, a, a really breakaway runner. And, and it's, we're a little ahead of ourselves to do that, but he's got the college pedigree and he's coming into a system that I think is really going to help him uh, get going on that, particularly with the addition of Tyler Linderbaum. And I think that, again, because the, and what opportunities may be presented because we're not sure what you're going to get back from J.K. Dobbins, what you're going to get with Gus Edwards. There may very well be, you know, a real, you know, a real role for him beyond, you know, just, you know, coming in on occasional third down uh, to, you know, to, to go ahead and, and try and make things happen in that regard. He is really shifty and has been, he, what's so hard, he's hard to tackle too. His, his center of gravity is so low and his legs are so strong that you, he, he's a tough guy to wrap up. So that's fun to see. I, I wanted to get your opinion of this from OTAs, but, but did you notice a power in his game that is apparent? I mean, he, has, he certainly has a, a frame that's very similar to Ray Rice in terms of being short, and, but, but very powerful off first contact. Uh, he's more than just an elusive runner. That's a, that's a positive end. He's not a, he's not a um, extraordinary speed guy. He's good speed, but not extraordinary speed. Like a good, you know, off the sidecar kind of speed to the edge would be plenty. But, right. but, but I, it's more that elusiveness and that power on first contact. And that may separate him from Justice Hill. And with Hill is less uh, less ability to break a tackle. I think, like you know, doesn't have that. I'm always going to be I'm going to be tackled, but I'll be tackled going forward. Yeah. You know that that certainly I think Beatty possesses more of that, despite kind of a diminutive stature. And you, you look at guys like that. You look at you think Sproles is a great comp. You know, as far as just being so low to the ground and still being strong. And and you know, Darren wasn't a real blazer, but he was certainly fast and ba- Beatty fits that. I also just think personality wise, I don't know if, I mean, Tyler Beatty and just 
we, you know, we had a, about a, you know, these, you do these press conferences in, in, in this time of year and you usually get about four or five minutes with a player. And I think his went for about 10 because he's just a gregarious people. He's one of those people. He's magnetic. People want to be with him. You want to have that conversation. I promise you, they want him, you know, guys are going to feel good about him being in it. You just want to be with people you want to be with. And he's one of those guys. So you add that into the mix. And I think, I don't think that's, you know, worth underestimating when you're trying to, when you're fighting for a roster spot, when you're fighting for a role, uh, when you're fighting to establish yourself in a league, that matters. And he, yeah. he's got it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And, and you really see a big difference by player. There's a lot of variation by player. And who's comfortable at the microphone? Michael Orr, not comfortable at the microphone at all. Didn't like questions. Uh, uh, Buck Allen had a lot of difficulty at the microphone. And I think, you know, public speaking and the, and the fear of it, that it's higher than death, you know, and death is seventh and public speaking is number one on, on a lot of fear lists does not just apply to regular human beings. It applies to athletes as well. I mean, they, 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 they're very confident in who they are, you know, physically, but they get to the microphone. They can, they can be various levels of confidence. If you're RG3, you, you never met a microphone you didn't like. You're, 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 you know how to sacrifice your, your own dignity in front of a microphone and, and make jokes about yourself and you're comfortable and everybody loves you. And, and if you're Tyler Beatty, you apparently have this as well, but there's plenty of NFL players who do not have it. Well, and there's two, and yeah, I mean, Gus Edwards, I go back, I remember his, the first time they brought him to the podium as a rookie when he was all of a sudden had a starring role. And I mean, I don't, he, that was a terrified young man. God bless him. It was probably the most afraid he's ever been in his life because he, they was this uncomfortable situation. But beyond that, you know, being comfortable in front of the camera is one thing. You could tell Tyler's just, just personality wise is magnetic. It just, People, he draws people to him. You can see, you, you know, even whether it's you know being polished at all. You just, you just want. He's one of those guys you want to be around. And I think that you know, when when you're when the differentiation may be very little in terms of what kind of role or what kind of you know a roster spot or all that, uh, that can matter. And he's got that on his side. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's easy to uh, to map that to a lot of other things. I want to talk about something a little different. The guy has a fairly moderate college workload, which I like to see in a running back. He's had 639 total touches, runs and and receptions. So uh, that's a nice place to be coming out of school. It's not too many, and you know he's not sitting on 1,200 or even more for some players. A lot of players were less in this draft because they had a COVID year during the time they were in school. Uh, kind of benefits a lot of players, I think, for having longer NFL careers. The fact that that happened, uh, the ones who who make it anyway. Yeah, it's funny. You look his first three years in Missouri, he had about three hundred touches, and then his senior year, he had three twenty two. So, yeah, um, and that's where you know, and, and he was, you know, he was productive in those first three seasons. He had a role. Um, you know, he scored what four sixteen touchdowns his first three years seasons there but no doubt once he got you know became the star he, he really took off but i think that's a great point because and it's again it's why you the idea of paying a running back you know zeke elliott money it's it just it's ludicrous and yeah. you, you just you, you can't because of the wear and tear of that position um what i do i don't know all that much about and we'll be curious to see what is like in pass protection Mm-hmm. You know, because that can be the make or break for a rookie running back as far as seeing time. If you don't really put in the work to understand the blitzes, not just understand where everything's coming from, but then physically how to do it. And are you going to be big enough 
mm-hmm. to, to handle that blitzer. That's going to, that will be really important because uh, if he doesn't, if he's not capable of doing that, he's not going to see a lot of time, despite what may be some other really pluses that he can bring to the field. Great point. It's definitely in my goals for him is that, that he that he shows enough as a pass blocker. And that's going to that's going to require uh, a lot of proactivity and learning, as, as you're alluding to here. Uh, it, first of all, being a running back is is reactive in terms of you have to figure out who you have to block. It's not like the offensive linemen. They know. And when they have to switch, they have a good understanding of that because that's their basic job. Running backs. A lot of different roles and somebody's coming up the middle, you know, they, they have to process in a different way to try and figure out who they have to pick up and assignments can get blown. And even when assignments are correct, they've got to step up. And in particular, in Beatty's case, as a smaller player is going to be doing a lot of cut blocking in such situations. He needs to step up a little bit more to go low on that rusher and get him to the ground so that he's not in the throwing cone, as I call it, not imperiling Lamar's legs or even his ability uh, to step into that throw. So it'll, it'll be a challenge for him. But, uh, uh, you know, probably a guy who, who projects as a learner. We'll see how that, uh, how that goes. And that may be just a case of me projecting his personality into, into learning. Right. I, again, the, in the brief interactions that we've had, but also reading stuff from his time in Missouri, he, you know, he's smart. He's a worker. And so those that lends yourself lends it you know, to believing that he will find a way to, to make sure that that's not a negative form. I'm not saying you have to be the best, but you, you can't be a liability in that mm-hmm. regard. And that's and that's what he's got to be able to prove. Uh, and he has to prove it very early. And now with three preseason games, of course, instead of four, there are maybe a fewer opportunities. But I do suspect in those preseason games, I mean, are you going to see J.K. Dobbins play one? No. Are you going to see Gus Edwards play in a preseason game? I don't think so. Tyler, let's see what you got, young man. So he should have plenty of opportunities in those three games to go ahead and make make the case one way or the other. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it may even extend beyond that. Uh, you know, I, when, when we did the shows on both the running backs, on Dobbins and Edwards, you know, I'm, I'm really part of my good is that there's a ramp up period and you can get back out to week four, week five, week six, getting to kind of a normal workload. Well, if you have that for your two star backs, your number three back just became your number one back for those first four or five weeks, probably. So yeah. I, I think he's going to get the opportunity. I think, you know, this is literally I, I don't know how many times I was told by a guidance counselor in my life. You can either you can take the ball here and you can run with it or you can fumble. <laughs> but this is a literally an example where Tyler Beatty <laughs> can do that. And the, again, the so what, so much for these guys. And when you're when you're not first, second, or third rounder, I mean, it is. What are you going to do with your opportunity in a limited one? And you bet you're not going to get a lot of a lot of chances to screw up. You know, you 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 really do have to make the most of it early on, and really get you need to get those coaches in your corner believing that if there is a mistake, you understand why and you know how to correct it, and then you go out and do so. But yeah, I just, he certainly because of the way it's set up, will will be able to show them, good or bad, which way he's going with that. That's an outstanding point that you just made. Is is how you react to a mistake that you made, and how how you're able to be talked to by a coach after it happens. You know, you should, contrition isn't even the right word. That's I mean, they probably do want to see that, but more than that, they want to see. Uh, they want to see no excuses being made. They want to see that you're listening to them as you explain what went wrong and that you, you are, you're, you're trying to, to make an adjustment on that. He's had only two career fumbles. And, you know, one of the things that is a doghouse situation 
for, for Harbaugh or can be is fumbling probably more than other coaches. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, if, if, if he holds on to the rock, I think he'll probably be fine. Yeah, I, no doubt. That, that is number one then with with his, you know, with any running back, but certainly a six rounder. Um, make sure you take care of the ball. I mean, you know, the, and the poster child, children for the opposite as far as handling that, I look at Kamale Correa and Jordan Lastly as guys that just, they did not take any criticism. It was always somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just not giving me the right opportunity. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's why, you know, they, they were so quickly given up upon. Okay, I've got a funny story in with regard to this, but Kamale Correa's mother, I think it was his mother, came on and made a comment about an article I'd written him that had definitely some negative comments about his play uh, and came on and made it a comment about how he'd been, he'd been a stud at outside linebacker, uh, sorry, at, at uh, yeah, outside linebacker and the Ravens were misusing him at inside linebacker. And it was, it was just, it was, it was sad to see that. I didn't react. I didn't respond, but it's, it's you know, it's one of those things that uh, stuck with me over the years that, you know, players are people too, by the way, I, I, the hurtful things that I would say, I'm not saying I'm intentionally to be hurtful. I'm, I'm just an analyst. I'm doing my job too. You're, you're trying to be the best player you can. And, and if, unfortunately I've had some negative things to say over, over Patrick queen over the last couple of years, I hope Patrick queen is an all pro player this year. I hope, you know, he, he, he turns his career around in a way that, that we never expected to happen. That'd be wonderful. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm not trying to be right about that. Certainly, but, but I, I'm just reporting it. And the Camelot Correa situation was a particularly funny one. Yeah, that was, I mean, from, from, wow. From the, let's see, he broke Dennis Pitta's finger as a rookie in a training, in a, yep. in a stadium practice brawl, just kind of a guy. You're just like, what? You're not getting it here. You know, you're just not getting it. And that's where, um, you know, I, I, I do think that they have also John Harbaugh and DeCosta by and large tried to get away from having guys, that may present problems like that. You've learned, you learn, right? You learn your lessons. Um, that's what honestly to the tangent really just made the whole Earl Thomas thing. So damn bizarre that he was ever a Baltimore Raven mm-hmm. because there was virtually no due diligence done on him. They just said, Oh, here's a, here was a great safety and we, we need, we need to do something here. So just go do it without ever, you know, figuring out, is this guy going to fit here at all? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was such not a Raven, as far as the way they like things done and operate, it just, that was baffling. And again, I, they, they're not going to make that kind of mistake. Certainly not that with the magnitude of, you know, a contract with a player like that again, for sure. Yeah. I'd like to think the, the whole organization, you know, has done a good job over the years of learning from their mistakes and evolving. And, and it's one of the things that's kept the Ravens on the cutting edge in a lot of ways of, of most things they do. You know, you, you never you don't hear a lot of complaints about the Ravens doing things wrong from an organizational standpoint. Uh, it's drafting. Uh, you know, we do hear that they don't develop receivers, but we know why. OK, it's a it's a it's a it's a program. It's a commitment to Lamar Jackson and, and, and the revolution Baltimore that, that Harbaugh mentioned in 2019. But uh, generally speaking, this organization is very smart about contracts, the right player, right place. They've they've lived with that. I personally, I tell you what I really love about the organization as a season ticket holder. I want to have a team that tries to compete every year and not one that tries to play the sine curve of up-down play where they will uh, uh, roller coaster me through bad seasons and good with the hope of reaching a, a higher pinnacle. I, I much prefer the Ravens method. I, do, I, I think, you know, when you look, especially with John, I mean, you know, the first five seasons, 
it's the playoffs and and a Super Bowl mm-hmm. championship. So, you know, the idea of having a year where you go into it not content it, mm-hmm. that is so foreign to just you know philosophically from him. He would he, he wouldn't put up with it, and and I think Eric is like that too. And that's um, and again, but it all really stems from ownership. Right. What, what, what are you going to what do you dictate as an owner? What do you allow? What do you what are the standards? And Steve Bishotti has made very clear he doesn't like a year where, you know, you're, you're not going to be there. He just he's like, I'm not we're, we're not going to go down that road. So, guys, do what you need to do to assure me that we're not going to have, you know, a 2002 mm-hmm. season. I, you know, that that's that's nobody wants that. Right. And they, they, they create the organization created that for themselves, just to be clear. And that 2002 season did give a lot of opportunity to great young defensive players. And, but, but the organization did that themselves with the, the additional run attempt in 2001, signing Gerback, signing Searcy, that really led them into cap hell more than mm-hmm. they even were before. Let's talk about goals here. I've got a couple for Tyler that we haven't already touched on, but I, I want him to take a meaningful share of that running back workload to start the season uh, as we wait for the full and healthy return of Dobbins and Edwards. Oh, 100%. A, goal, a definite goal for him is to be a contributor week one. I, and I think that that's, that's his goal. That's got to be the team's goal for sure. And you know, I, what we've seen out of him – for what it's worth, they're not tackling, they're not pass, but just you can tell who knows how to move and who is smooth and who knows how to hold on to the ball. You can see that even in just these, you know, these dummy practices, and he has those abilities. So I think that they they're like, okay, sometimes they're, they're I will say there was a, there were times when guys get here, and they are completely and utterly shocked. The players themselves will look like, wait, that guy was drafted. Um, I can't say who, but I can tell you, you know, a, a quick story that there was a player that was drafted and his position group, um, when they had first time they get out there together uh, on the field at, at a practice and the veterans, the two veterans looked at each other and said, we drafted a guy that can't run. <laughs> what the hell is that? So, you know, th- those things do happen. And, that is, you know, that's clearly not the case. So, so I think, yeah, Tyler, he's going to give him, give him good health, get in with that opportunity to take care of the ball. He, you know, a definite, it's a reason it's not just a goal. It's a reasonable goal to have, to have a role early on. Mm-hmm. All right. I got another goal for you. Um, I, I think that the Ravens have a chance to develop a screen game that they really haven't done at any time in a long time. Uh, the Ravens have favored elephant like linemen who could move bodies uh, they generally had guys like Bozeman, who not particularly uh, agile or, or mobile in level two. Good puller, but but didn't didn't you know do as much or wasn't as much of a threat on on uh, in front of a screen pass. Most linemen you can tell because they get very lungy in level two, uh, and and they uh, you know they're really not comfortable with it. And safeties have a way of eluding that pretty easily. Linebackers as well uh, when when they're uh, when they're having to run any distance to do it. Tyler Linderbaum is an X factor for this team in terms of being a guy who can get out in a level two. And there are a lot of reasons why Tyler Linderbaum might not work out. Okay. But there's a lot of reasons to hope that he will work out. Uh, And in particular, his relationship to Tyler Beatty in the screen game, it doesn't take necessarily three linemen to get ahead of the screen pass. That's usually how you set it up. 
it, it really takes one excellent block. And if Linderbaum can do that, and the tight end is making a block, and then Tyler Beatty is making somebody miss as well, because all those are good possibilities, then you got a chance for a really outstanding screen game. Well, the next, I mean, the next great screen the Ravens run might be their first. <laughs> and so, but, and they know, and, you know, how many times that John, you know, you know, or, you know, over the years, whether it be Roman or you know, whoever before been asked about screens, but that you're right. They didn't have the proper players to go out and do it. Um, you know, Linderbaum is the fastest center by leaps and bounds. And when you look to the, at the video and going talking when having Joe Ortiz kind of describe what was so exciting about him. So much of it was about his downfield mm-hmm. capabilities. So you don't draft that guy in the first round. If you're not going to try and, and take advantage of what he does best. So are we, you know, I just don't think they're been, they never really committed to doing screens because they didn't feel they had the right. They didn't, they didn't have the right personnel necessarily to do them. So, you know, Linderbaum, is he the X factor? I don't, I don't want Ben Cleveland taking part of the screen game. He's just not – that's not – you know, Tyree Phillips, I think, has a better opportunity from the guard spot to be a you know, faster, more athletic downfield blocker and something like that. You might – don't forget, you might want to get him a carry now and again, too, because uh, he's Tyree pretty Phillips. good with the bonus hands. Yeah. How, um, about, how about Fowler Lely for a carry this year? <laughs> Whew, that'd be fun. Gracious. Um, that man is such – a I can't believe he's as big as he is without being fat. It really is a, a, a remarkable thing. Not since Ogden have you seen, um, have I seen physically in person someone that big who's not carrying bad weight. But yeah, so the, yeah, the, what Linderbaum may bring and what Beatty then could do with it, because again, you have the right running back for it too. A guy who's a natural pass catcher, mm-hmm. naturally elusive, and and he's he's strong, so that the, those two additions could bring something that just we have, which is almost feels ironic and odd that in an offense that is so based on the running backs and and, and the the create not the downfield stuff, but everything near the line of scrimmage. So they don't do screens well. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been part of it, but maybe finally now they have the right pieces to take advantage of that. Yeah, uh, excited uh, definitely for that. Uh, I think we mentioned this already enough as a pass blocker that they can afford to leave him on the field for high leverage downs. That's, that's big. Uh, holds on to the football. We talked about, I think that's it for me for goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I would like to, I would like for Tyler to, to have a role. Not okay. You prove yourself the goal and then be say, I can stay, I can be as a little guy, be healthy mm-hmm. and be, and be a contributor for a whole season. That's a lot to ask for a rookie in any, any time. As you, as especially in his 17 games now, this mm-hmm. season, I mean, it's interminable for these guys. And it being as an undersized NFL player, it seems like a big ask. But the goal to show that you can, you know, be there for for whatever role it may be for 17 weeks, that would be a great goal to achieve. It would might be might be a lot, but it would be a great one. I think the point you mentioned earlier that he had 322 touches last year. Um, he can he can reduce his touches. It'll be an NFL pounding, so it'll be different. Um, but they can also spread those out, those out over 17 games. Uh, if you look at the Ravens running backs, there isn't anybody getting 25 carries. So it, 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 they, they split that up. So, you know, if, if he could be a 12-carry-a-game guy uh, at the highest and, you know, 6 to 12, let's say, that'd be terrific. I mean, I, I, you know, you start him at 12 probably and you grade his play down, actually, with, with the return of the other guys. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be very happy with that. 
Yeah, 12. And again, to, to take care of the ball <clears throat> as you're getting those touches and to show, show that you can be a playmaker. Because Don't just be a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, show that you can be more than a guy. It's, it, 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 don't know if he can or not. I, th- I think he can. I think he might actually be a steal. Mm-hmm. I think he might be a guy that could actually be a real playmaker, um, particularly in this kind of an offense. But you, you, he's got a, a long way to go before to show that. And, that, you know, it's certainly talking on June 10th. Yeah. Well, it's, he's one of the players in camp I'm going to be very excited about. And in the preseason, certainly I'm going to be looking at closely. There's a lot of players for whom this is an important preseason. A lot of the wide receivers were, were I think, going to be working them pretty hard to try and figure out what, what the Ravens have in that, uh, in that uh, preseason. Other goals for Tyler before I move on to a good and a great season? Uh, no, I think I kind of laid that out. All right, fantastic. So a, a good season to me has a quality camp in preseason, leads to a rotational role and regular activation. So we, we, we're taking for granted that the notion that he'll be active every week, the Ravens typically would, would activate three running backs. They don't have a, an obvious number four guy right now, but they will develop one. They'll, they'll pick one up off somebody else's scrap pile by the end of camp. So, so there will be somebody else competing with him for playing time. That playing time and the quality of play is at least enough to expect more in 2023 and has some con- contribution on special teams that might be as a returner and as a kick coverage guy, not a punt coverage guy, but a kickoff coverage guy. Uh, special teams you mentioned, I think, are critical. You've got to show that you're a willing and be capable uh, to not just willing to do it, but willing to put in the time to be good at it because of the level of care and attention that this, that the franchise and the, the Harbaugh insists uh, go to special teams. And you, you, I tell you that if you, you're, you're not going to make, you're not going to find any playing time if you're not willing uh, to do that. That's like, that's as bad as fumbling the ball. I think yeah. as far as Harbaugh is concerned. So, so much fun watching Jerry Rosberg when he was coaching the special teams units and how would we, he would react to a bad play because he would get to the podium and he's this cerebral, erudite guy. I mean, he could talk, I don't know, molecular physics, it would seem like with you. I don't know if he really could or not, but, but he, he was a very intelligent guy. And then he'd be out on the field and he's this firebrand with the players and he's willing to embarrass them and say, okay, we're starting this play over because Tyus Bowser didn't know his assignment. Come back here, Tyus. And, you know, <laughs> you know just always yelling at the top of his lungs. I mean, he's the only voice out there that really competed with Terrell Suggs regularly for, for, you know, you could hear him from anywhere, but uh, I loved having him on special teams. And no doubt that was a little bit of a projection of Harbaugh in terms of, of uh, who he was. Oh, Jerry Rosberg was such a phenomenal coach. And I'm so glad the last, really about the last two years he was here, maybe three, that he opened up and delivered his personality to us and we got to know him a little bit more and it, i mean i go back to you know 2008 i'm on a the team bus with him going to a preseason game and you know i'm just hey coach can i anything i you know should anyone to look forward tonight it's like first preseason game just kind of no okay <laughs> thank you coach rosberg great con- great talk uh to now to the to the point that when he retired we sat down and had lunch and for for 45 minutes and just had a great talk and not just about football but about fatherhood and um some different things and just how what what an amazing person he really is i just was glad i got to know him and they 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 no doubt no doubt miss chris horton's done a nice job and i think chris horton's going to continue to grow or you know and become a 
he's going to move on from here, from this role. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, you know, what, what Jerry, Jerry was special. Jerry, Jerry was very special. A little tangent there, but I, a big Rosberg guy. We're, we're big fans of tangential conversation on this show, so <laughs> never apologize for it. I'm going to go on with what, what I consider to be a great year for Tyler Beatty, is that he carries a heavy load at running back from the start of the season, contributes as a runner and receiver, is the outside threat this offense needs, and is part of what rejuvenates the Ravens' run game to the 2019 and 20 level. And I think he can't help but be that if it is rejuvenated because they're going to need him as an outside threat, I believe. Yeah, a great season it sees him catching catching passes and turning them into touchdowns. Okay. You know, I mean, that's where, you know, we saw that so much last year uh, for, at Missouri. You know, what, 11 receiving touchdowns? Mm-hmm. I mean, just he can do that. Um, that would be great if you can do that at this level, certainly as a rookie. And it would be a great year is not putting the ball on the turf at all. No fumbles. You combine those two things, um, then you're looking at a guy who's you're, he, he sticks. He's, he, he's, he's going to the Pro Bowl if he does that. <laughs> yeah. give, give, give me four. Give me four receiving touchdowns and no fumbles. Okay. That would be a. That would be a to me. It'd be a monster season for for a six for your last pick when you had what eleven mm-hmm. in the in the draft this year. That'd be all right. Yeah. I, I, I take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Outstanding talking football with you, Pete. This is a great show and very tight. Really appreciate your, your, your opinions on these players. The tangential stories were all great. Tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yeah, I, on Twitter, get a hold of me at WBAL Pete. Uh, I also, for Ravens fans, I, I, those that can stay up or even just set your um, DVRs, Ravens wrap-ups, a show we do late Sunday nights. It's You have Sunday night football. You have the 11 o'clock or the late news. And then we come on and uh, Keith Mills and myself. And it's, it's a show that I take great pride in. I have so much fun doing a great producer and Joe Paparato uh, coming in for year two now on the show. And we're, we, we're going to have some new fun things to go along with it, but it's just, it's the only show that's that, that day that's all Ravens and is a half hour. Mm-hmm. So come for come with us for that. That's a, it's something that I, I really enjoy doing. And I, I think you will too. All right. I'm, I hope after hearing Pete here today, if you if you didn't already listen to this show, you'll, you'll, you'll see some of the value in doing that. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm eager to hear from you. Uh, we're looking for narrow topics and be discussed in 25, 30 minutes. I always say that if it goes a little longer, that's fine. We don't we don't have any constraints on our show. Pete, you you're one of the few TV people you mentioned to me didn't always have a constraint on your late night show. Yeah, um, because it's so late and it's Sunday night, we're going to we're past any programming from network that uh, we don't necessarily have an off time. With much to the chagrin sometimes of those working in the control <laughs> room, and I, I will apologize again. I, I do every chance I get um, that we do sometimes go a little longer. But when you have that freedom, if you don't take advantage of it, it seems kind of silly. Yeah. So uh, you know, if you, if if, I, if it becomes a forty minute show, okay, sorry. We were having fun. It was going on. (laughs) Life's good. Pete, thanks so much for coming on. You got it, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.